0: Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to this state of origin game one episode of Outside the Sheds. Shedheads, I hope you were able to take in... What a lot of people say is maybe the greatest four, three and a half to four weeks in Rugby League around the world, and that is the State of Origin Series. Um, I know that I took it in. I don't think I finally finished everything. Uh, The great post-game coverage, uh, didn't get to uh, listen, and and I got to cry in my non-alcoholic beverage as I did not hear the voice of Rugby League, uh, Ray Warren, for the first time, but we got to take it in, but I don't think I went to bed or finished it up till about 8.30 a.m. my time. So, you know, I had to put in the work. I had to put in the work for this situation. That being said, we can't go into state of origin, shed heads unless we recap last week. So, let's jump into that. Um, I can't say that we had a great deal of upset. Um... Even though your shaded Thomas only went fifty percent, going two for four, but it started off with the Cowboys versus the Titans. A lot of questions in the air: how the cows were going to play without you know having four members of the club that were on state of origin duty. Nani, Dearden, um, Holmes, Cotter—they were all gone. So I was—I can't say that I was surprised because. I've been so impressed with Todd Payton and the guys that, that I, you know, and Chatty Townsend was still there uh, to kind of captain and lead the side from the middle. So, no, I wasn't really surprised. Um, but a 32-6 to drubbing, I might have been a little bit of a surprise then because even though I told you when he first came on to be the coach of the Gold Coast Titans, I was a big fan of Justin Holbrook and the work that he did at St. Helens in the Super League so far this has not been transpiring and you know I I don't know sometimes direction is something that we can talk about that sometimes people just kind of miss things and I really think um, their halves pairings has been really really confusing Um, and and I don't know you know I, I when they let Jamal Fogarty go to Canberra I it kind of blew me away cuz I thought Fogarty really had put and showed his his yeah, I'm saying they 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 made him a captain for crime's sake. So, um I think the Titans are in trouble. I don't know if they're getting ready to go down the road of of getting rid of Justin Holbrook, but there's some problems there. There's some real problems there. Next up, we had the Panthers 30, Bulldogs 18. Um you know, we have a debut of Falls in the have which was so impressive. Uh, this young guy that had played with with Nathan Cleary when they were younger, uh, and him finally getting his first start in the NRL, and uh, he you know he kicks he kicked some good goals, um, so that was kind of cool. But you're you're looking at a Panthers club that's missing seven origin players, and they just keep coming, they just keep coming. And I was I was happy for Josh Adokar that he had the game that he did. I was impressed by the way that he played. I'm going to tell you right now, I told you this last week on the, on, on last week's episode, Josh Adokar, there's no way that he should not have been in that state of origin side. Um, but he did come back and he showed by grabbing his, 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 his jersey after he scored um, that he was dialed in. And I don't know if I've seen Josh Adokar so adamant in a celebration where it wasn't just kind of jovial jokingness there was some fire there but again um you know you feel bad for the bulldogs you know they try they work hard uh they just don't get any results and um you know the panthers did what the panthers do they put them to the sword so uh another victory for the panthers sea eagles 44 warriors 12 even without dce kieran foreign steered the club around the field um and 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 guided them to victory, but then you look at the hapless Warriors, and and we're getting ready to start talking in, in depth about the Warriors, uh, very very soon about a lot of things that transpired there uh, since this game got over with. But um, we're going to talk about that. But the Seagulls, Eagles, um, you know, Saab was back, looking you know straight fire as usual, and you 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 know I don't know if anybody is expecting a top four side. I think a lot of people think Manley's going to battle to get in the top eight and to stay in the top eight all season without Turbo. But, you know, with a motivated Jake Travoyevich and with DCE and Foreign and if Saab starts playing well, um, you never know. You never know. Uh, so, Eagles getting the victory there. Raiders 22, Roosters 16. You know, without Teddy and JWH, Jared, Roya, Hargraves, there's some problems going on with the Roosters. There's some real, real problems going on with the Roosters. And that was, is going to be our top story as we go into a little bit more of a deeper dive into this this last week. But the Green Machine, Sticky gets those boys up to play Robo and the Roosters. I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's something that we'll never know about. But, um, you know, he gets him to play again. The Green Machine kind of rolling over the top, getting that upset, getting back on track. Uh, if you look at at, at Camber, if you look at Ricky, I think Ricky feels this side has something in them that's going to enable them to get in the top eight. Um, and there's no reason I don't know why anybody would get bet against Ricky, but uh, Sticky will get those guys up, and they're playing that way right now. And I think this is a big, big week coming up um, where they're where they sit uh, in this upcoming round, which we'll talk about here soon. Now, what I want to start off with when we get in this deeper dive of this last round. Is a problem that I really see coming out of the Sydney Roosters, and I think it's a big, big problem. Um, because without Teddy there um, in that spine, the Roosters looked—they looked just totally out of whack. I, I guess—I guess that's one way you can say it. And if it wasn't for Joey Manu, who I'm telling you, Joey Manu is a beast. I, he's one of my favorite players in the competition. Uh, I don't know if there's another... Tell me another player that plays with a smile on his face almost nonstop. Uh, But Joey Manu almost single-handedly kept the Chooks in the match this last weekend. But where my problem is in this dilemma is the halves pairing of Luke Carey, Hollywood Sam Walker. It's not working. And I think deep down, Robbo knows it's not working. You've got Luke Carey to me who's a number six... He should be a number six. He should have stayed at number six. But Robbo saw this, this young, possibly great player in Sam Walker that he got to come to the Roosters, right? And sometimes that looks great on paper, but it just doesn't translate onto the field. And I think that's what we're seeing right now because Luke Carey is a six, playing seven. Luke Carey, if you remember when he was playing some dominant footy with the Roosters, it was playing off of Cooper Cronk. Cooper Cronk would guide the team. Luke Carey was able to, you know, create a little bit of magic. Ask Luttrell. So when you put him into that seven to be a guy that's going to guide the team around the field and that halfback position like a Cooper Cronk, uh, Mitchell Pierce before, uh, players like that, not all guys have that in them. And I think Luke Carey is a brilliant player. But I don't know if he's a brilliant guy to lead a team around the field. I think that he is a little magician. I think he makes things out of nothing. But you already have that with Sam Walker. You have two, I I, I think it's this, you have two number sixes play, trying to play in the halves together. And a lot of people just don't understand. They think, they think a half is a half. And it's not the case. But... Sam Walker is too young. Robbo does not feel that Sam Walker is ready for that halfback position and that seven jersey. So, what you have is you have two guys that are players that are set up in making things appear out of thin air. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it just doesn't, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't striking, it isn't working, all of the above. And I think that's why you heard some rumblings about a possible trade that it had happened for a week and it kind of quieted down that Cameron Munster might be looking to come to the Roosters. Now, there's always a lot of joke that somehow the Roosters just make money appear out of thin air, and I think that's funny because I live in a country where the New York Yankees somehow make money appear out of thin air year after year after year. But you knew something wasn't right that that came out. And I don't know which direction they're going to go because we see the strike and the upside of Sam Walker But we've also seen what Luke Carey has. And I don't know if we fully 100% know how healthy yet Luke is after coming back from that that injury that he had, the knee injury. So there's a lot of questions to be answered for the Roosters. But I do think, and I hate to say this because Yashita Damas hates to think negative about himself, but I do think my pick of the Roosters um, winning a premiership this year, a premier trophy, flag, whatever you want to say, is, not, is something that is not going to happen. I think they're going to struggle to get into the top four all year, let alone for them to win the whole thing. So um, I'm just interested going forward of what the answer is in the halves for the Chooks and where they're going to go from there. Now, enough talk about the Roosters because I know some of you can't stand them and that's all right. I There's Tons of teams I don't like in the sports world. But after last week's performances, games, whatever you want to call them, the one glaring smudge on the on the weekend was the performance for the New Zealand Warriors. And we talked about this last week. We talked about that, they, you know, Sean Johnson, you need to run, blah, 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 blah. Well, they did another abysmal performance against... The Seagulls, and again, Sean Johnson just did not take on the line, did not attack, nothing like that. And they got blown out by Manly. Well, I guess there's no good time for this, but after that match occurred, Nathan Brown approached the, the big wigs at the Warriors and said that he would not be traveling with the team back to New Zealand. Now, we know that that is coming up, I think, in two to three weeks that the Warriors uh, play their first match at Mount Smart Stadium against the Tigers. Well, that, as Nathan Brown has said later on, was going to be the writing in the wall. Either the, either the Warriors were going to say, you know what, you just finish out the season and we'll go from there. Or they were going to say, it's time for us to end our, our our partnership now. Well, the latter happened. Nathan Brown... Is a, a a a man that I respect a lot. I respect the way that he conducts interviews. He never ducks a question. Um, he never gets really upset with the media. I think he just gets it right. Uh, and he said that his family is the most important thing. He's got you know a, 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 you know a daughter. He's got a son. He said his son he would just travel anywhere, but he's got a daughter that is that is growing older uh, and going through school. And he doesn't want and she doesn't want to move. And I think. You know, sometimes you have people that the game isn't more important than family. And I think that's such a brush, breath of fresh air, Shedheads. I think that's, that is so cool to see. I think, especially in this country, uh, results, um, business, uh, success make up so much about if a person is successful. It's never a matter of, of, of your private life or your family life that makes you successful. It's just a matter of, you know, what, hey, how much, Oh, he makes a lot of money, you know, all that stuff. So I I was really happy to see Nathan Brown taking that stance and saying that's where he wanted to go. Um, Nathan Brown also then dropped a bombshell saying that that was it. He was never going to coach again. He's hoping to work in administration or work overseeing to protect coaches, um, maybe in the um, Tim Sheen's type of role with a club but he just said his his days of that that grind of being a head coach he's he's done with it now let's look 5 years from now if that's still the case but for right now that is where he is leaning towards now that also leaves an opening now for the for the for the warriors and this has been filled by club legend Stacy Jones now I've never seen Stacy Jones play live I've seen plenty of clips but I guess Stacey Jones went into the sheds and ripped a little bit of paint off the wall, saying that it just wasn't, it wasn't Warriors football, it wasn't acceptable, that they needed to shore some things up, and they needed to take care of business. And I—and truthfully, I think the Warriors have needed a boot in their ass for a while. And I hate saying it that way. Uh, I don't think you could tell, tell, tell your kiddos that ass means a donkey. But they've needed that boot planted there for a while. I know, and I'm the biggest thing I'm curious about is if Stacy Jones tells Sean Johnson he can't come back on the bus unless he runs the ball this week. And I'm interested to see that. Uh, Sean Johnson has said how much he's looked up to Stacy Jones. So I'm really curious to see if Stacy Jones being appointed as the coach is going to bring out the best in Sean Johnson. Uh, I don't know if the best in Sean Johnson we'll ever see again. But we do know that, that that Stacey Jones is taking over the team and has said that he is ready to, to, to see what he can do with these guys and see if he can get some results. So a lot of things. I will tell you one thing. I hope success for all parties involved. I hope Nathan Brown finds that gig that he's looking for. I really hope Stacey Jones is successful with the Warriors, and I hope that the Warriors just Get a little bit of joy by able to be by being able to go back home here in the very very near future. So I know that that's calling to them. So um, sad but happy, I guess at the same time is what this story is. Well, shedheads, taps has finally been played for the West Tigers. And I don't know if you're still hearing that that uh, haunting uh, bugle sound, uh, but it's been played. And after three and a half years. And no finals, of, excuse me, no finals appearances. Michael Maguire has been shown the door for the West Tigers. Now, you remember if you look back some of these older tapes, older podcasts, older episodes, you'll have heard me say time and time again that Mad should have been moved on from last season. At the end of last season, they should have moved him. Uh, and then when this season started, I said that I would be surprised if he made it past round four. Well, your Adamus was wrong there, but it has finally happened. They have pulled the card, told Madge that it, that that he doesn't have to uh, return back. And I will tell you something. I will tell you shedheads that I think Madge McGuire's downfall began when he's when he benched Benji Marshall. When the Tigers were going all right because he just didn't think Benji was doing and putting the time in at defense. And I know time heals all wounds, but I know Benji was hot about that in the beginning. And I think deep down he still is. I think Benji Marshall was just smart enough to say all the right things. But I think that really put a lot of confusion in that side. Because I think the bench, as I can remember, he benched Benji after the Tigers had won a match. It wasn't after they would lost. It was after they'd won a match. And instead of coaching him up and telling him a little bit more of what he wanted, he he pulled Benji. And I don't think Madge was ever the same uh, in the players' eyes or in a lot of fans' eyes after he did that move. I think it's something that stayed with him, and I think it is something that probably finally was that that tiny hole in the boat that filled up and, and finally sunk it. Now, with Madge being moved on, the, I don't know, the... Let's just put it this way. Brett Kamarly has been named the interim coach. And, and you know, Kamarly was an ex-player in the league. Uh, I think he's been coaching uh, one of the women's sides. So he's got a little bit of a a, a passion, definitely for the game. Uh, I saw an interview with him after he had been named, and he seemed quite excited. I just really have a, a, a big question right now. and My question is, does Madge's axe... Does his being moved on have lasting implications with a lot of the, with some of the players in this player group? Jackson Hastings has said that he came to the club because of Madge. Um, there are some players that really, really believe in him. And then at the same time, again, he had something in for David Nafaluma lately. And Nafaluma hadn't been put back in the side for the last few weeks. Well, it's already been named. Kamarly said Nafaluma will be in the side this week. So... I just think there was a lot of drama. I think we watched, uh, you know, the the, the, the four-episode special inside the Tigers or whatever that they had last year, and it just, I don't know, it just kind of felt wrong all the time. So he is gone now, and now Cheens, Tim Sheens has come out and said that they want a coach at the West Tigers that is going to help the Pathways program and the young players to come through and to uh, – make their way up into the top grade side. Um, He's not really named anybody, but everyone knows that Cameron Seraldo is probably the number one coach that is being pinpointed by the West Tigers to come in there and to change uh, all of this up. I don't know if they're going to get him. I know that the Panthers are fighting hard to keep Cameron Seraldo at the foot of the Blue Mountains, but that is the guy that, that that everyone's saying is the fit to go to the West Tigers. Me personally, there's two people that I would like to see. I like to see, first off, Christian Wolf. I would love to see Christian Wolf in the NRL. I think he's a special guy. Um, I think that, that he could do some really magical things with the Tigers. Um, so Christian Wolf is my number one. And my other coach that I would really love to see is John Morris. I think if you look. Yeah, the Sharks are doing some great things under Fitzy right now. But I think Josh Morris uh, excuse me, Josh Morris, I think John Morris had that club heading in the right direction. And I think that, you know, if you look at Bubba, the fullback for the, the Cronulla Sharks, Bubba started to fire because of John Morris. Um, a lot of the halves that he that, you know, Trindle, um, a lot of those guys love John Morris. And and, and he kind of raised them. He kind of brought them up. So I think that he would be a great addition if they could get him. If you know, I, I think that's a question if that's the direction they want to go more, if they can get him. But I think those are the two guys that I would really, really love to see. Um, Christian Wolf and John Morris. But again, the move has finally happened. Taps is playing. The, the Madge era has come to an end. Uh, and the Tigers are looking anew for a new skipper. Now, those are big stories I had to break first, shitheads. Those are stories that needed to be talked about early on before we went any farther. But now we're ready. We're ready, and I hope you're ready. Origin 1. And I've got to tell you, a lot of people have been talking about hey, how there's just not that, that deep-down strike and bitterness and, 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 and punch-ups and, and all that stuff in Origin. And I agree. There's something about... State of Origin, which is fifth gear, uh, all gas, no brakes, let's go. That's what Origin is, and and I do miss that. I do miss the physical aspects of the game. But anyway, let's go into this, and we'll talk about that in a second. State of Origin, game one, maroon sixteen, blues ten. Um, I told you last week, shedheads, and I and I'm gonna double down on this. As I looked on paper, these two teams. The cohesion of the 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 Queensland Maroons to me was what was going to take them over the top. I tipped Queensland because of that. There was just something about how it was just business as usual. That the guys that that should be there were there. Uh, there wasn't any type of fidgeting with it, you know major lineup changes or anything like that. And I didn't see that from the Blues. You know, Freddie uh, putting in. Um Daniel Tupo instead of the fox, um, Jake Travoyevich not being left out of the side, I don't think that you you really, really understand the importance of those two guy, those two guys in that in that blues squad. I just don't think that people get that. how important the fox's kind of bravado, his humor, uh, and Jake's hard nose I'll do anything for a team, how important that is. And the crazy part about it is if if the Fox and Traboyevich were playing for the Maroons, they would have been picked. They would have just been picked because there's an allegiance and loyalty that the Maroons show in camp, which gets them, I think, to play harder for one another. And there's a bond that's there. There's a strong bond between Queensland, which I don't usually feel with the Blues. So all that being said, You know, after, you know, Jack Whiten, who I think played maybe one of his best matches I've ever seen the guy play, scoring the first try, getting the Blues on the board. um, He was the player of the match in the Blues jersey. It wasn't Nathan Cleary. It was easily, to me, Jack Whiten. And he hit, he laid down the law physically, and he did it from the opening whistle to the end. Uh, and I, I I have to tell you, Jack Whiten's never been one of my favorite, favorite players. But Jack Whiten really rose to me uh, a lot in my book, the way that he played that origin match. And he wasn't even playing in a position that you would say that is his favorite position. I'm saying he's a, he's a half. So Jack Whiten played really, really well and got the Blues on the board. Um, and that was pretty much, a, I would say that was one of the, the probably the biggest highlight of the match was Jack Whiten's play for the blues because after that point to me Cameron Munster took over the game and I can't say that Cameron Munster had an incredible first half, but when he got back in the sheds, got with Billy, got with the coaches, I think it was just reinstilled in him go do what you do. be a larrikin be a guy that is a scalawag. you know run at the line, take your chances. Uh, play, lift your your lift your side, lift your side by the way that you can go against the line, carefree, dive into it, get the pass and the offload out. I think that that is exactly what he did in the second half. Um, and and the guy is infectious. Cameron Munster is infectious. Never been the, the the biggest Storm fan, but I'll tell you something. Just because I'm not the biggest fan of the club doesn't mean I don't know greatness when I see it. Or a great player. And since Cameron Munster has, again, everyone's talked about it, I've talked about it on this show, since he's doubled down on his health, as he's doubled down on his responsibility, and and, and changed his body coming back into camp this year, he's been a totally different player. Uh, And his good has just gotten better. And we saw it. I'm saying state of origin, the guy took over the match in so many different ways. But Billy Slater said after the match... It's all the little moments, and that's what we saw. From Valentine Holmes coming out of nowhere to kicking the ball out of play and stopping a try for the Blues. Um, that it, it was just the little moments always that saw Queensland just lift their game just enough to stay on top of the Blues. Now, the other thing to me that was just awesome was the breath of fresh air for the Maroons club. The Maroons' young guns, as you would say. I love the guns thing, right? Selwyn Cabo, Ruben Cotter, Harry Grant, Patrick Kerrigan, Jeremiah Nanai. These guys are young. You could call them the kid line. Whatever you want to say, they played exceptionally well and exceptionally well together. Um, and I'll say something about this team, this this group of young players. All the talk last year and the last couple of years is that we were about ready to see a New South Wales Blues dynasty for the next year you know, 10 years that the blues have everything in place to go on a run possibly just like the Maroons did when they won their eight in a row. Right. I'm going to say this right now with this, with this crop of young players that are coming into the side right now for Queensland, I think you can just flush that last statement. I think that that, I think the origin series for the next 10 years is going to be a back and forth tug of war uh, and I think that every year we go into it, we'll have truthfully no idea which side on paper is the better side, and that's why I think you should be nervous if you're a Blues fan because Queensland's chemistry is what takes them through the winds a lot of times, and the Blues have to somehow find that chemistry, and I just don't feel a chemistry about them, uh, no matter how much I like Brad Fittler, but I just don't feel a chemistry about them, um, and then I'm going to tell you something right now. I told you I wasn't the hugest Storm fan, right? I know greatness when I see it. The club is incredible. They're a great, great club. Um, from the big three back in the day to, uh, you know, the players now uh, and to Bellyache, right? What they have at the Melbourne Storm is special. But I've never been the biggest fan of Billy Slater. Um, maybe because I haven't been a, a huge fan of the Storm, Um Billy the Kid, to me, has is, is always been more of a nuisance than anything. Great player. Not saying not a great player, but kind of a nuisance because somehow he was always going to will the club to doing some special things, right? I will say that I have done a 180-degree turn on Billy Slater. I think Billy Slater now is going to go down as a, as a very, 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 very good NRL coach. Last night, I'm saying this morning, I guess you can say, I'm sitting at 830 in the morning and I watched DCE and Billy Slater's interview, right, with the press. And I cannot, I don't know if if there's ever been a time where a respect for an individual has gone through the roof after I watched the way that he conducted himself in that interview, the way that he talked about his team, his players. He knew backstories about his players. He knew where they came from. He knew what different things meant to them. Um and then when he did the interview with with Yvonne Sampson, um I I, I just wanna say this right now. Um, Billy Slater has gone from a guy that was a nemesis to me to one of my favorite people in the game right now. And it's because I think I've learned a little bit more about him. I know he loves the ponies and loves horses and all that, but but I, I'm going to say something right now. Blues, no matter how much I like Freddie, if Slater wants to stay at origin for a while, um, the moons are only going to get better, and that's not good. I deep down think that he's going to want that challenge of an NRL side. Uh, I don't know where he's going to be. He might be waiting for Bellyache to retire and to be named the Melbourne Storm head coach. Uh, I, think that, I don't think you can go wrong with that at all if you're the Storm. But uh, I will say that that guy, uh, the Maroons are in very, very, very good hands going forward because of Billy Slater. Um, And so I think that, you know, when you have a coach like that, his coaching and the way that he makes those guys have pride in that jersey is enough to help you steal at least one game in a series. And when we're talking a three-game series, that is dangerous if you're the other team. That's very, very dangerous. So. Origin 2 is going to be on Sunday, June 26th. You're going to have to figure that out, no matter if you're in Australia, New Zealand, America, uh, Ireland. I don't care. Uh, We all know that it's a little bit different everywhere we're at because the time changes, the time zones, all that type of stuff. But it is in Perth, and I'm going to say something right now. Game over here soon. If they don't really change... Uh, I would instantly name Jake and 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 the Fox in my side for the Blues going forward. But Freddie's got some work to do. And I'm not 100% sure that he can. Because Game 3 is back at Suncorp Stadium. And we know how different that team plays at Suncorp. Plain and simple. It's not even close, is it? So, um, incredible origin match. Uh, we did not have... I just didn't feel the intensity india match um due to animosity hatred whatever you want to say but i will say it was a brilliant match the blues almost tied it at the death um but i cannot wait for origin two um but i'm interested i'm very very interested to see what happens and what the transition is between game one and two for both sides and how well Billy Slater takes the Maroons in Game Two. Now let's go into Round 14 and what we've got transpiring and about ready to occur again. Um, because of Origin, Round 14 doesn't start till Friday morning, I guess you could say Friday night, whatever. But well, we've got Dragons versus the Cowboys. Uh, I'm definitely going with the with the, with the cows again. I know the Dragons have been playing a lot better footy lately, but I'm going with the cows. Saturday, Rabbitohs versus the Titans. I'm saying, you know, there was talk that Luttrell could be back, but latrell has got COVID now. Uh, he's probably out now for two weeks, so I'm taking the Titans over the Rabbitohs. Storm versus the Roosters. Going storm, storm, storm. Even without Munster, I think they'll be fine if he doesn't decide to play because of origin. Raiders versus the Broncos. I know the Green Machine has been coming along, but I am going to take the Bronx over the Raiders. Sea Eagles versus the Tigers. I don't know if Brett Camorley in a week can get the Tigers playing the type of, the brand of footy he wants them to play. I think the Seagulls are full of play. I think they're ready to make a statement piece against the Tigers, so I'm taking the Seagulls. Sunday, Panthers versus the Knights. Uh, I know the armor is starting to still get a little bit dull. I don't know if if even Kalen Ponga will be playing because of state of origin. Uh, I don't think it really matters. Going with the Panthers. Sharks. Versus the Warriors, uh, the closeout Sunday. Uh, come on, I yeah, Stacey Jones is there, but again, a lot like Brett Camorley, I don't know what we're gonna see difference wise in a week. Now, if he gets shown, Sean Johnson to start running, that could be something totally different, but at this point, I'm taking the Sharks over the Warriors. And then finally, Monday night or Monday afternoon, whenever you want to say it, Eels versus the Bulldogs. I do not see an upset brewing with the Bulldogs. I am taking the Eagles. Now, let's do our transition to the game, the other game of footy, Aussie rules football. Let's go on the mark. Yushet Adamas went three for six. We know we didn't have all the clubs this week. A lot of teams have buys, just like we have buys coming up for this next round. But Cats, 83, Bulldogs, 70. I took the Dogs. I really thought they were going to be able to come over the top. Uh, They made it competitive. But again, I think this Geelong team, uh, Chris Scott's team, coming into their own, Cats get the victory. Crows, 88, Eagles, 57. Like I say, hey, you're welcome, Adelaide Crows. The Eagles fell on your schedule just at the right time. Suns, 109, Roos, 47. Whew, I got to tell you something. Those Roos can make teams look good, can't they? Man, they can make teams look good. Swans, 73, Demon, 61. We're getting ready to do a deeper dive into that match. But the Swannies getting the victory over the Ds. A lot of things to talk about there. Magpie, Magpie, seventy-two. Hawks sixty-eight. Uh, Hawks really pushed the pies, but the pies hold ground, hold serve, and get the victory over the Hawks. Dockers, ninety-nine. Lions, eighty-five. Um, really good match. Another one we're gonna do a deep dive in, but the Dockers getting the victory over the Lions. Now, even without our on fire buddy, buddy, it's buddy. Franklin, uh, due to his, his his dust up with Trent Cotchen, Uh the Cindy Swans showed the competition that their flag, excuse me, the Cindy Swans showed again. What am I trying to say? That the competition, the flag, are well within their reach, and I think that is um, is something I don't know if any of us thought that these aspirations for the Swannies would would really be something they could actually go out and get, and they proved with this performance last week. That's the case. Um, now, without Buddy Franklin in there, the forwards of Sam Reed and Logan, Logan McDonald uh, both kicked three goals apiece. Um, and they were the ones that really kind of drove the Swannies to kind of push forward. Um, and I I don't know. When, when a big player like Buddy Franklin is out, um, I don't think you know who's going to actually pick up the baton and run with it. Um but I'll tell you, all that being said, to me, the most eye-opening thing that happened with the match is that the Ds jumped out to a 26-point lead, and the Swans didn't panic. And to me, that's where you see that a team has got something going on. There was no panic at all from the Swannies. And they just stayed the course, they kind of rode the wave out a little bit, and then they went to doing what they needed to do to, to, to win the game. Um, a lot of back and forth in the first half. Uh, you'd almost think that it was a, a track meet, how both clubs were going back and forth, return, serve, back and forth, up and down the field. Um, And then in the second half, it was a real tussle. It was a wrestling match. It was just who's going to impose their will over the other side the most. Um, And it all came down to me where the steal comes in. And to me, the steal is when a team finally sees that it's time to put the sword to it, finish this off. And it wasn't the D's who did it, it was the Swans. And in the fourth quarter, the Swans kicked four goals to the D's one, and that was it. That's the difference in the game right there. Um, that final frame domination by this by the Bloods showed me that they're real. Uh, and and I don't know why anybody ever would pick against the Swans. They're a team that shows year in and year out, usually, that they're going to fight you till the end. I know they're not a Melbourne club, and, and all right, they used to be South Melbourne, I know. But I think they don't get the respect a lot of times a lot of teams get. Um, but they're good. And I think with Buddy coming back, I think he's going to be beyond motivated. Uh, I will tell you this right now. The Swans have top four in their eyes or, or in their vision. And I think they can really get there. I really do. Now, I know all this in the game of, of, of footy depends on who can stay healthy. But the Swans proved a lot to me on that victory over the Ds. Uh, and also now, I told you last week, Shedheads, I told you last week. I am really curious to see now that a chink in the armor has been shown for the Demons, what does the rest of the competition do? And will there be a a, a hangover? And I I bet on them. I bet on the Ds to get the victory over the Swans. They didn't. There's some some situations going on there. There's some problems underneath the surface. I don't know if it's in the defensive structure, but something's going on, and you only need one team to exploit it for the rest of the competition to jump on the back of that. So great victory for the Swans, and some real questions to be answered by the Ds. Now after demolishing the reigning premiers last week the Dockers claimed another top contender belt be- not belt pelt shed heads by beating the lions and and hoisting hoisting that pelt high in the sky to show that they got themselves another big time team and took another one home uh I, I gotta tell you, I could I can't read Fremantle or I couldn't for a little bit. You know, they don't even have Nat Fife yet in the side. Um, but this win moves the Dockers into a tie with the Lions for second place and within one game of the, the struggling Melbourne Demons right now. And I cannot believe after winning 17 in a row that I just said the the, the phrase struggling Melbourne Demons, but it is the case. Uh, They say defense wins championships. They say it over here in the divided states. They say it all around the world, right? Defense wins championships. Well, we got to see that firsthand because the Fremantle D was the thing that took them over the top. Um, And they were in rare form. And they held one of the most destructive offensive sides of the competition in the Brisbane Lions to a below average score. um, Something that they're not used to being... Uh, you know, they're not used to that happening to them. The, the Lions are a team that can impose their will and usually get points at will. And the doctor showed that's not happening at all. Um, it was a doctor second half surge to me that was the thing that took them over the top. Um, and it allowed them to take a 23 point lead over the Lions and then hold off a late rally with that defense, right? The Lions did get within 11 But, you know, the Dockers, again, imposed their will defensively. And I can't believe I'm saying that because if you think about Fremantle last season uh, compared to this season, we would have never used that term. But they did. Um, Now, there was some strike with the boys. The Dockers did have a little bit of an offensive outburst. Uh, Bailey Banfield, Rory Lobb, and Michael Frederick they each kicked a combined not each but they combined for 10 goals. Uh and that's that's huge. I'm saying when you have players that can do that and get you know three guys getting you 10 goals, you know that's 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 big. That's big and and when you have a team that is a defensive stalwart to get that offense from, you know, more than just one guy, you know, I'm just we're relying on their buddy Franklin to get it. Uh that's the thing that kind of gets you going. Um But again, to me, it shows for sure that Fremantle has a chance at the flag, that they're playing good enough footy. As long as they don't go Sibyl on me and one week they go up, one week they go down, they're going to be in it in the end for sure. And again, the Ds, you're shaky right now. You're shaky. And they always say you find out about a club, not when everything's going well, but what happens to that club when they start to... How should I say? When those when the waters start getting rough. A lot of you will not understand that. It's an old NFL thing about a coach over here. Uh, look it up. The waters... The, the the sign of a good captain is... Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going into that. But we'll continue with the shaky ground right now, Shedheads. Because it doesn't get any better for the Ds. Because in a week where the Ds have lost now two in a row, uh, an off-field altercation I guess we could say a lot of people call it a dust up and some people say it was a straight up brawl happened between Stephen May and Jake Melksham and when you have two players fighting like that you've got a little bit of a situation and 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 pretty much the lowest dig a, a, a player can give to another player happened where May actually said to Melksham And I quote, if you had played in the grand final, we would have lost. Ouch. There's nothing worse than a player that is held out and not allowed to suit up with his team and play in the grand final or any championship game, right? But to have a guy say that to you and a teammate, I guess saying something about your mom or your wife could be right up there. But that's probably number three of it's time to go. And because of that, Jake laid him out. He put him down. And I think, to me, the crazy thing about the story is both guys, it was an alcohol-infused rage or dust-up. And May was not supposed to be drinking at all because he was in concussion protocol. I think the team showed where they lied with this or how they they, uh, saw it. Because may got a one game ban opposed by the team um now all oh, this is great and stuff, but the 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 hotel that the fight broke out with still hasn't been apologized to, where they were having dinner. uh they're still standing up going, hey, where when are we getting our apology for you two idiots going toe to toe at our our establishment?" um I don't know i, I, I when you start hearing guys fighting. The captain uh, has to start talking about it. I think that there could be some under-the-table uh, real situations with the Ds. Um, we know that there was some talk earlier in the season about the coach and drinking with players and all this type of stuff. Um, I don't know what's going on inside that shed. This is called outside the sheds. How do I know what's going on inside that shed? But we'll really have to see because they've got the pies this week. And I know the pies are definitely on fire. The pies are playing very, very well. Um, if it's three in a row, we've got some real situations here. We've got a real situation going on with the Belvin demons. So, uh, again, I love a story that might have, how should I say, a little bit of, a little bit of tentacles laying off it because it might be grabbing at the future here. So we'll have to see down the track. Now. Let's go into round 13 and some of these matches that we've got. We've got a barn burner to kick us off this week. Power versus the Tigers. These two clubs and they go head to head. It's some of the most it's some of the most exciting footy we get to see. I'm going to go with the Tigers still. I think that they're kind of rounding into form. I told you my one of my picks was the Tigers were going to do some things this year. So I'm not going to I'm not going to get off of that yet. I think the Tigers beat the Power. Friday, Blues versus the Bombers. Uh, There's no way that I'm picking the Bombers over the Blues. I think the Blues get the victory there. Saturday, Hawks versus the Doctors. Um, You know, I was hedging one way, but I'm going to stay with them. I think the Doctors gets the victory there. I think they win that. A game that could be the game of the round, Saints versus the Lions. Um, I'm going with the Lions there. I think the pride get back together, uh, and they make a statement over St. Kilda. Sunday, Giants versus the Roos. Really? I, what did I, am, I, am I still picking these games? Let me, let me look at my G. Yeah, I, I guess so. Giants easily over the Roos. Uh, Sunday, another one that could be the match of the round to close it out. Demons versus the Magpies. And I'm taking the pies. I'm riding the hot team. I'm thinking with May out and the week of a little bit of turmoil then, I think it sets up well for the Pies to pounce on the Ds and get the victory. Now the guns for this week, we've got some real winners. And I'm starting off with my number one gun, the guy that to me took over State of Origin last night, this morning, whatever you want to say, Cameron Munster. 198 running meters, one line break, seven tackle breaks, 22 tackles made, One interception, 269 kicking meters. Uh, the, 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 The scalawag showed his full chops, was even named the man of the match. So great job for Cameron Munster. My number two, we're going green machine. I'm going down to the nation's capital. Xavier Savage, one try, 203 running meters, one line break, one line break assist, one try assist, three tackle breaks, and six tackles made. Again, some of the youth at the nation's capital coming through. Uh, a real fun, exciting player in Xavier Savage. And then three, Michael Frederick. Three goals. Oh, excuse me. Michael Frederick of the Fremantle Dockers, uh, who has been suspended one week because of a little bit of alcohol in a six days. Okay, little things. Little things. That doesn't still mean that he can't be my gun. It's three goals, 18 disposals, 14 kicks, four handballs, 10 marks, two tackles. 411 meters gained, uh, a great performance by Michael Frederick, and one of the reasons that the doctors are now driving for a flag. Now, as we go outside the bubble, uh, I'm going to start off with a guy that we talked about last week, Rafa Nadal. I said that Rafa getting the victory over Djokovic was, was big, uh, but everything fell in place with him. Um, Zverev injuring his ankle so Rafa didn't have to go four or five sets even though he played an hour and a half first set match against Zverev um, and then you know he got Kasparud. Uh and come on are you kidding me Ruud's idolized Rafa Nadal you think Kasparud is going to get his first Grand Slam victory in Rafa's backyard no way on God's green earth was that going to happen and Rafa in two hours and 18 minutes beat Rude 6'3, 6'3, 6'0 to lift his 14th championship. And and I will say this I've I've told you Shedheads over and over again, I'm a Fed fan. I'm a big Rafa, I'm, a, I'm a big Roger Federer fan. But I, there's nothing you can say about Rafa, right? There's probably not a guy with a bigger heart in the game. Uh, when word comes out that he's taking injections deadening his foot because the pain is so bad and pretty much playing with a dead foot. And I, what else can you say? To, to be playing with that type of pain where you're taking injections and you beat a guy in Casper Rude who has been playing some pretty damn dominant tennis as well. I, you know, like I said, I don't like calling anybody in tennis the GOAT, but... You have to say, there's not been a bigger competitor in the history of the game more than Rafa Nadal. So congratulations, Rafa, for lifting your 14th trophy at the French Open and bringing your Grand Slam total to 22. Now, tonight, going on right now, and actually, Shedheads, when I get off with you, uh, I'm going to go take a walk with Mrs. Damas and then come back and watch probably the second half of the Golden State warriors Boston Celtics uh, throwdown. My godmother uh, definitely turned the spike on me when she called up and laughed me into oblivion after Golden State lost uh, game one against the Celtics, uh, which is fascinating because my godmother is a Laker fan, so I don't understand what's going on there. But uh, it's going to be an interesting series. Uh, I think, personally, I said I thought Golden State was going to win in six games. Uh, I think, to me, that the Celtics' legs are going to start to show, uh, and I think the Warriors are going to run them right off the track. Uh, so I, I still have Golden State winning this series, even though they did split in San Francisco. So, interesting, you're probably watching it already right now, Shedheads, but I've got the Warriors beating the Celtics uh, in six games. Uh, and then you might have saw, we've already got the first uh, team to make it to the Stanley Cup Final. A sweep by the Colorado Avalanche over the Edmonton Oilers. I did not see a sweep. A lot of people thought that the Lanch were definitely playing the best hockey of the two clubs. Maybe the best hockey of any team. Uh, So they're through. But I will say something right now. And and the reason that I'm going to say that the Lanch do not win the Stanley Cup Final is because the Lanch, to me, are like a fine... Uh, European sports car. You pick your own. Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini. You've got to run it every day. You can't let the oil sit in it. You can't let the gas sit in it. You've got to run it, right? And I think this layover, this this, um, delay in play waiting for the Eastern Conference uh, final to be figured out is going to hurt the Lanch. And I'm telling you, if they go toe-to-toe against Tampa the two-time defending champion, there's no way they're beating Tampa. If a Tampa team has been playing nonstop hockey and go right into a series because they're going to steal game one and then the rest will be history. So, uh, very interested to watch what happens, what transpires here, uh, with the rest of the Eastern conference final. I had, uh, Tampa in six. So, uh, my buddy, Sean, love you, Shawnee. But, uh, He had to come to Jesus a little bit with me uh, and admit that I was right because I said the Bolts were going to win both games back in Tampa after going down 2-0 to the Rangers up in the Big Apple. So a lot of matches, a lot of games coming up. Shedheads, I hope you enjoyed Origin last night. Um, I hope you're recharged, you get your electrolytes in you because uh, you got a day off uh, for the NRL side, but you you can piggyback that and go right to watch in Port Adelaide and Richmond tonight uh some some really great matches this week really excited for it but um letting you guys know shed Ed's, I, there will not be an episode of outside the sheds next week uh, i will be actually traveling to the college world series in omaha nebraska my my yearly pilgrimage uh i have not gone for two years uh because of the great covid um so I begin my pilgrimage on Wednesday to get up there uh, for the series that starts on Friday. So, you will not hear your, your Shed Adamus um, probably for a week. Uh, we'll see about getting an episode recorded um, when I'm up there or getting something done. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll have to see. So, you guys, I might let you guys just say, damn, I missed the Shed Adamus. Man, I can't wait to hear the Shedda. Either way, Shedheads, stay out of trouble. Uh, Can't wait to talk to you guys next. Have fun this weekend. If you're down south, definitely use your air conditioning because it's bloody hot. But until next week, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been Outside the Sheds. See ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports so please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what australian sport is all about